The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Well, good morning. It's, uh, it's an honor to be here with you. And uh, I apologize for interrupting the flow of the introduction. I was just getting bored, and I thought if I was getting bored, others might be too. Um, <laughs> I, at the outset, I want to I mention that I'm a little nervous this morning. I hope you'll bear with me. I'm not nervous because of you fine folks, because I can't see you anyway with the lights in my eyes. But uh, my aunt and uncle are here in the audience, and uh, there's a good chance that they're going to report to my mom about how this goes this morning. And even when you're my age, you want your mom to get a good report of how you do. So I hope uh, Uncle Bob will be merciful as he reports to his sister about how her, her son did. Uh, the things that, that Adam mentioned were great. Uh, the most important parts of my life he didn't mention. I am a husband of one, a father of four, and a grandpa of five. And uh, as he mentioned, I'm currently the, the chaplain of the Coast Guard. Uh, I would very happily and uh, with no problem fill a couple hours telling you about the Coast Guard and what the men and women do with the Coast Guard and uh, what an inspirational group of people they are, but that's not, not really our focus today. I'm gonna touch on a few things as examples. But uh, what I wanna talk to you today is, and, and I don't know about other speakers, but when I'm asked to speak somewhere or preach, I usually end up talking to myself. And the rest of the people who are there are kind of invited along for the ride, but I, I choose themes and passages that speak to me. And actually, it is a little ironic that those verses that he mentioned that have such uh, uh, a lot of language from the military, I've never preached on those ever in my, uh, my many years of ministry until today, but they, uh, they've spoken to me greatly over the last couple weeks, and I'll explain that to you. In my role of chaplain of the Coast Guard, uh, I get informed about a lot of stuff. I get phone calls multiple times a day from the National Command Center telling me about stuff that is happening throughout the world. And most of the stuff that I get those calls about uh, is not good stuff. In fact, you can substitute another word that begins with the same letter if you wish, but uh, recognizing that we're in chapel, I'll just continue to talk about stuff. For example, uh, the week that I started thinking about what I wanted to talk with you about today, uh, six members of the Coast Guard died that week. Two in motorcycle accidents, two by suicide, and two from illnesses. There was a horrific dive boat accident in California, you may remember, that left 34 people dead. Uh, the Bahamas was devastated by Hurricane Dorian, and those were all, uh, the Coast Guard is very involved in those kind of missions. And we had a plane crash off of Key West, Florida. And that was all just within one week's time. And on top of all the normal stuff that, that happens in life, injuries and illness and stress and broken relationships and life and, and all of that was happening all at the same time. So the question that I often wrestle with in my career and was certainly wrestling with that week, and I'd like to invite you to wrestle uh, with me today, is how can we as people of faith be ready? How can we be ready for when life and the stuff of life hits the fan? By the way, for the Latin scholars among you, do they teach Latin here? Okay, for those of you who know Latin, 
Uh, the motto of the Coast Guard is Semper Paratus, and which of course Semper means always, Paratus means. I'll, I'll just assume somebody said ready, because that's the right answer. Always ready. And that's what I, uh, in my own uh, notes here, titled uh, what we're going to talk about today. How can, we, how can we be always ready? Can we prepare ourselves so that we'll be ready when stuff, big stuff and small stuff, hits the fan? And if we can, how do we do that? Uh, by the way, in my experience, when stuff hits the fan... Oftentimes, it's people of faith who have a harder time with it than people who are not people of faith, which might not seem to make sense, but let me explain that. When people are not people of faith or they don't have a belief system, they don't have any expectation that things are going to go well. So when bad stuff happens, they more, they're more or less resigned to it and say stuff happens. But people of faith, like, like us, when bad stuff happens, we, we have a problem because we believe in a good and a loving and all-powerful God, and therefore we have an expectation that things are going to go well. But then they don't. So, so how does that work? How, how is it that our Father, who is good and loving and all-powerful, allows bad stuff to happen in our lives? And since he does, what do we do about it? Well, I'm going to talk about it in, in uh, two angles today. Uh, one is, how do we prepare, prepare ourselves ahead of time? And secondly, what do we do when we're in the middle of it? Uh, those verses from Ephesians 6, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. One of the issues that we as Christians have is not so much that stuff hits the fan, but that we're trying to get through it on our own. And maybe we're having some degree of success with it. But then along comes something that either hits us or someone we love or perhaps our nation or our world and we see quickly we can't do it on our own. And so lesson number one is that in order to be ready, we need to rely on God's strength, not our own. And Paul goes on to tell us how to do that. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. I spent 15 months in Iraq in 2008-2009. Uh, and every time I left the relative security of the base, I had to put on what we affectionately referred to as our battle rattle. We had to put on our helmets to protect our, our heads. We had to put on goggles to protect our eyes. We had to have hearing protection and body armor, plates that covered our, our chest and our back. We had to wear gloves and we had to put on elbow pads and, and knee pads. If we didn't have all of that stuff on already, we weren't allowed to leave the base. Now, thankfully, most of the time, we didn't need any of that equipment. But when we did need it, we needed it right then. Because if you didn't have it before you were hit, it was too late. Well, this is no surprise to, to any of you, but the effects and stain of sin are all around us in this world. And while this is our Father's world, it is a fallen world that awaits redemption. And so we should expect that stuff is going to happen. And because stuff is going to happen, we need to be ready ahead of time. I want to make really clear that being ready doesn't make going through stuff easy. But being ready does help us to get back up on our feet when we've been knocked down. Maybe by a phone call from home, maybe another distressing news cycle, maybe a broken relationship, maybe a, an illness or an injury or a death of someone we love. So what does Paul say we should do to prepare ourselves? Stand firm. 
with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. First one he mentions is truth, and that's something that's in fairly short supply in our world today. To use a term that's unfortunately popular, there is a lot of fake news out there that hurts our readiness. And so Paul speaks here about the belt of truth. Let me switch the metaphor to modern physical fitness language and say, let truth be your core. And by looking at me, you can tell I'm not a physical fitness guru, but I, I understand that your core is important because it's your core that stabilizes your whole body. That's how truth functions in the life of a believer. When stuff hits the fan and we are rocked, we need to hold on to the truths that give us stability. That no matter what it looks like, the truth is that we have the victory through the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. That no matter what the voices around us say, Jesus said, it is finished. That like the songs uh, said that we sang earlier, we have been washed and we are loved no matter what is going around us. Yes, stuff may be boiling around and we may be mired in it, but nothing can separate us from the love of God. Stuff may cause us to ask questions and to be confused, but the truth reminds us of the solid rock on which we stand. Truth is also a, counterput, a counterpoint to the falsehoods we hear all around us, like happiness comes from stuff or positions or paychecks, or that in order to be accepted you have to do this or do that or be that. The core truth is that God loves us only because of his grace and mercy, and it doesn't have anything to do with us. It's all about him. Of course we don't deserve it. That's the whole point. In Colossians 1, Paul talks about how important it is to know the truth about God. We, we live in a world where there's a lot of focus on, on emotional experiences, which are very important, and on relationships, which are very important, but we've kind of minimized the importance of knowledge, of, of truth. And, and the Old Testament over and over again tells us how important it is to know the truth about God. Paul says, be filled with the knowledge of his will. Have spiritual wisdom and understanding. Increase your knowledge of God. Now, I shouldn't have to tell a group of faculty and students at an institution of higher learning, but truth is foundational to our readiness. The core of standing firm, no matter what, is really knowing, as best as we as feeble humans can, who God is, what he says, and what he expects of us. In the time of Isaiah, the people of Israel were really struggling because they forgot the truth. And they said, what's going on here? It seems like God is ignoring our prayers. He's, he's helping our enemies and he's not helping us. We don't understand. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. That's exactly how I felt 34 years ago as I watched my brother Rick get sicker and sicker. It seemed like God was ignoring my prayers. God wasn't helping. And we didn't understand this isn't the way it's supposed to be. But to us, through those difficult times, God's answer to the people of Israel spoke very, very strongly to us. Don't you know, Isaiah 40 says, haven't you heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? Those are rhetorical questions. Obviously, the answer is yes. You do know, or you should know. In other words, remember what you know to be true. He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. The truth is, Isaiah is saying, is that God is the one true God. 
And no matter how things look at the moment or how, no matter how things appear, he is all-powerful and he is in control. And because of that, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. When stuff is going on in our lives and all around us, our hope and our strength and our endurance comes from recalling the truth, not focusing on circumstances or appearances. My brother did die, and it was and is still very disappointing. But at the same time, knowing those truths made all the difference, and we didn't mourn as those who have no hope. Secondly, righteousness. Put on the breastplate of righteousness and have that in place. I'm going to quote from the source of all knowledge, which is Facebook. Uh, a Facebook friend, and as I read it, I found this a little ironic because I've never met this person. I don't even know who this person is. I don't know how we're Facebook friends, but we're friends. A Facebook friend posted something a while back that caught my eye. Maybe some of you have seen this. You're holding a cup of coffee when someone comes along and bumps into you, making you spill the coffee everywhere. Why did you spill the coffee? Well, because someone bumped into you, of course. Wrong answer. You spilled the coffee because there was coffee in your cup. Had there been tea or water or milk or any other beverage in the cup, that's what you would have spilled. Whatever is in the cup is what will spill out. Therefore, when life comes along and shakes you, which will happen, it will happen. If it hasn't already, it will happen. Life will shake you hard. Whatever is inside of you will come out. You determine what comes out by what you put in. Now, that's pretty profound for Facebook. Part of preparing for difficult times is putting on righteousness in the good times. Paul says it's our breastplate, it's what protects our heart. Right thinking, which leads to right attitudes, which leads to right actions. When you think about and focus and contemplate what is true and noble and right and pure and admirable and excellent, when those are the things that fill you up and what fill you cu your cup, those are the things that will spill out, that will spill out when life shakes you up. I like to be informed, but usually I ignore the breaking news alerts I get on my phone, not because I don't believe them to be true, but because I know they're gonna affect my attitude and my actions for, for perhaps the whole day, and I don't need that. With all the other stuff going on, our eyes and our ears and our hearts and our minds need to be balanced, overbalanced, with an overwhelming amount of what is true, noble, right, pure, admirable, and excellent. That is the part we play in growing in righteousness. Readiness. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. One of the secrets of the armies of Julius Caesar, which made them very, very successful, was that they had good footwear. They had boots and sandals that had knobs in them, that they had cleats in them. And that gave them traction, which allowed them to hold their position without being pushed around. The word translated uh, stand that we read in this passage is a military term for holding your position. When it says stand firm, it's saying hold your position. Victory often depends not so much on overcoming an enemy's position, but on holding on to yours. And Paul says the thing that helps us to stand firm and unmoved in the face of stuff is the gospel of peace. Having that as a strong foundation allows us to resist, to push back, 
against discouragement and doubt, and it also allows us to take small steps and sometimes big leaps of faith. So let's consider for a couple of minutes some of the things to do when you're in the middle of the mess. In my career as a chaplain, I have been in the middle of a lot of mess, a lot of natural disasters and man-made disasters, and, and these are some of the things that have helped me and the things that I train my chaplains on what to do. And it's very simple. When you're in the middle of the stuff, look up. Often the stuff of life can be overwhelming. So the Bible, especially in the Psalms, is filled with admonitions to look up to the heavens that declare the glory of God, to lift up your heads, to look to the Lord who is your refuge, uh, to, to be, instead of focusing on the stuff around you and the stuff that you can see, make the conscious choice to look to the God who helps you to regain your perspective. One of the first songs that really spoke to me, and I, I know this is going to date me here, uh, but a song that's probably been the most significant theological song in my entire life, and one I still turn to over and over again, is by a great theologian named Chris Christopherson, and it's called Why Me, Lord? Now, Chris Christopherson, because none of you have ever heard of him, he is not a great theologian, but uh, the rest of this is true. What do we often say when stuff happens to us? Why me, Lord? What did I do to deserve this? How come this is happening to me? And that's how his song starts. Why me, Lord? What did I ever do? But then the song switches from accusing God to thanking God. Why me, Lord? What did I ever do to deserve even one of the pleasures I've known? Tell me, Lord, what did I ever do that was worth loving you for the kindness you've shown? In the midst of stuff, Look to the God who reaches out to you in love and remind yourself of the big picture. Secondly, look around. Even in the most difficult times, look around to see where God is still at work. I spent the first two weeks after 9-11, uh, September 11, uh, at the World Trade Center site. We talk about the Twin Towers, but actually there were a dozen buildings that were damaged and destroyed. It was a massive pile of 14 acres of death and destruction that burned for months. It was a terrible, terrible place. There was a lot of fear, and for many Americans, what they had believed about the world was forever shaken. But in the middle of it, there was also a massive outpouring of support and giving and unity like I had never seen before and I haven't seen since. It was really incredible to see people coming together and serving and supporting and loving and caring for each other. Stuff, as bad as it is, often brings out the best in God's people. Look to see God at work and celebrate what he's doing. And God is most often seen at work through the actions of his people. I've been down to visit uh, the southwest border uh, and to visit some of the camps down there. And, and this is not a political statement. But no matter what your political perspective is, what has happened in the southwest border this past year should be unacceptable to any American, and especially to Christian Americans. Uh, families have been separated, some uh, for years. The, the children still have not been reunited for over a year with their parents. The camps were terribly overcrowded. The treatment uh, was barely humane, if, if that. Uh, when I was visiting one camp, my wife said, what's it like? And I said, well, I would never allow us to board our dog at a place like this. If it's not good enough for our, our pets, it certainly should not be good enough for people. 
Now this is not the fault of the men and women of Customs and Border Patrol or the Department of Homeland Security or Health and Human Services or the myriad of other agencies. They were doing their best, but it was just overwhelming. It was chaotic and it was very discouraging. The only good thing that I can say from my experience down there and what I know that has happened is the work of organizations like Church World Service and Catholic Charities and other faith-based groups. No one paid them to do what they were doing. In fact, it cost them a lot of money. The government didn't give them any money, and they certainly weren't doing it to be on the news or to make a political point. But they were working tirelessly because it was the right thing to do. And what they were doing was an inspiring, tangible expression of God's love to bring at least some things, some goodness into the lives of those people. And that brings me to my, my very last point here. Shine your light as best you can. My brother Ken has been battling cancer for a number of years, and it's, it's very serious. It's been a long fight for him and his wife. They've gone through a lot of very dark days as they've walked through the valley of the shadow. But they have been an incredible shining light of faith and confidence in their Savior each step of the way. Their testimony of faith is an inspiration to everybody who knows them. And I suspect that some of you know people like that too, who in the middle of dark times shine the light of faith. So when you're in the middle of it, and it's dark all around you, the one thing I ask you to do is shine your light. The darker it is or seems to be, the brighter a light, even a very dim light, can shine. And sometimes you don't have much of a light to shine, but shine it anyway the very best that you can. Be a light to people around you because they're going through the same stuff too. And when they can't stand on their own, be the one who stands next to them in the truth of the gospel. Help hold them up and support them. Reflect the love of Christ in any way you can. Remind yourself and remind those around you of what is really true. What is really true. Demonstrate to them by your attitudes and your actions what is right. And stand firm and help them stand firm. My friends, God's words to us today is as simple as it is needed. Stand. Stuff will happen that throws us for a loop. It happens all the time. There will be stuff that knocks the wind out of us and it even knocks us down. But when it does, stand with the core of truth to give you strength. Exercise right thinking and right attitudes and right actions to protect your hearts. And put your confidence in the gospel to give you the traction to stand firm. That's something that the world has always needed. It's something that our world needs now more than ever. And it's something that God equips us to do. Please join me in prayer. Father, there are many things that happen in your world that confuse us. There are times when we feel shaken to the core. We pray that through your word and through your spirit, we will be reminded of the truth of who you are and who we are in relationship to you. May we be people of righteousness, even when stuff is happening all around us. And may we shine your light because of the confidence we have in the gospel that you have revealed to us through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for that reminder today. May it equip us as we go forward to serve you in your world today and each day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go in peace and have a great day. Thank you.